Welcome to The Dispatch from Newberry Consulting Services, where we believe in building community through better management, better teams, and better business. I'm your host, Trevor Newberry, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. I am Trevor Newberry, your host, and I'm excited to be back with you guys after, gosh, a month and a half away. Um, it's been a long month and a half, but a good one. Um, as you, anybody that's been following along probably noticed we got some new theme music. Super excited about that. Um, I've also had the opportunity to conduct some really interesting interviews uh, that I'm going to be releasing over the next month to a month and a half. Um, but yeah, it has been a exciting time for me in my business. It's been an exciting time for the podcast and I'm excited to get right back into it. So we're kicking things back off with an interview I did with Amanda Story, the executive director of Jones Valley Teaching Farm. Jones Valley is a nonprofit organization here in Birmingham that is near and dear to my heart. Their focus is on education via food, farming, and even commerce. Jones Valley has built multiple farm labs, uh, tiny farm facilities, on the campuses of local schools all over the city. And they partner with faculty and staff to integrate farming, cooking, and even business via student-run farmers markets into the curricula at each school. And they even offer STEM-based after-school programs. This is just a couple of their excellent initiatives. I've worked with Jones Valley in various capacities for years, and I can't speak highly enough of the work that they're doing. That being said, Amanda knows and can speak to this work way better than I can. So let's jump straight into the interview. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, Why don't we go ahead and start with you just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your background is and what do you do? Sure. So um, I am Amanda Story, and I am the executive director right now of Jones Valley Teaching Farm. But my kind of past with Birmingham began, or my history here in the city, um, began right after I graduated from the University of Georgia in 2000 as a magazines major. So I was a magazines major. Um, and everyone said I would never find a job in magazines. And this was also before the internet really took off. So I probably should have had a heads up back in that one info media, like, um, class that I had to take one info media class. They were like, there's this thing called the internet that (laughs) is an interesting way to tell stories. Uh, but, uh, I kept going, you know, old school magazine and women's studies. So, uh, a friend of mine told me about a paid internship at Southern Progress Corporation, uh, on Lakeshore Drive. And I came over for an interview and was hired. And so I had a paid internship in magazines, which was exciting to tell my dad because he was convinced that I'd lost my mind with that major. <laughs> and I started at Southern Living Magazine as an, in the editorial department and moved my way through the company over the next eight years, actually, um, and ended my career with a massive layoff that happened when Time Inc kind of decided that uh, they wanted to move some things up to New York and make some big changes at Southern Progress. So um, so I was in the marketing department at Cooking Light. And so while I was there, I was really exposed across the country to so many different food initiatives that were happening and partnering with our food brand magazine um, in a really powerful way. There were food banks and gardens and all kinds of things. And I worked more at a national level at that time. So I really didn't know anything about Birmingham. And I'd lived already here for eight years. 
So, um, so, so it was a big change when I got the, you know, the pink slip, uh, and had to figure out what I was going to do next. And I actually found my way down to the trailer at the downtown farm, um, and knocked on the door and Edwin Marty, who was the then, um, executive director opened the door and basically said, what? And I said, (laughs) that sounds like Edwin Marty. I remember that guy. Yeah. I have, um, severance. And if you will let me work with you, I will, I don't, you don't have to pay me. And he was like, I'll give you a box of vegetables a week. I said, all right. (laughs) So, um, thus began my, um, kind of history and now Birmingham where I started to work. And this was back in 2009. So I started to, uh, blog on my own. I created my own blog about how to cook kohlrabi, which I did not know how to do, (laughs) I know what it was. Yeah. Um, how to, you know, cook rutabaga. That was the big deal then was I was like, what is a rutabaga? Yeah. Would get all of these boxes and you know what we grow and it is just the craziest thing. So I ended up doing this really cool kind of weekly challenge to myself to figure out how to cook all of these vegetables I had never heard of or used before in my life. Mm -hmm. And that was food revivals begin, which is my blog that I no longer blog on. Um, I mean, I should, it still exists. I just yeah. don't. It. I, didn't, um, I didn't know that you were food revival. I always knew what food revival was. I knew that that was a Birmingham based blogger, but I didn't know that was you. It was me. Cool. So it, it basically was the beginning of everything for me. Um, and through Jones Valley, which was Urban Farm at the time, and Edwin and Katie and everyone that I knew there, um, I was introduced to some local kind of food folks that were doing work and got a job at the United Way uh, shortly, probably about a year after I got laid off and um, started working on a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and CDC grant around fresh food access and walkable communities and all of those, those things stayed there for three years, then moved over to the food banks. I really wanted some experience in direct service. I was doing a lot of work in policy around food issues. And, um, I really wanted to kind of get to the direct service element. Um, and so I moved over to the food bank and then I ended up back at Jones Valley, which is now Jones Valley teaching farm. Mm-hmm. And was able to kind of pick up where the uh, director that came after Edwin Grant Brigham took over. So it has been a really interesting kind of full circle moment for me um, to be back at Jones Valley after a long time of finding all the different voices that come with the food kind of world here in Birmingham, learning a lot of pretty powerful and painful lessons along the way and being pretty happy to be in a position to kind of combine the mission and vision of what Jones Valley has always been to the community, but also challenge it to go a little deeper. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now. Cool. Cool. So that, that leads me actually to the next question that I had for you while, since we're in this intro phase. Um, so why don't you tell everybody what Jones Valley teaching farm is? It's, it's been a couple of I wouldn't say a couple of things, but it's had a couple of different approaches since I've been in contact with it. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about like what Jones Valley does? Sure, sure, sure. So I'll just give just a really brief kind of uh, history because I think it's important to think about what the context of it was and how we've evolved. But in 2002, we were actually founded. So we've been around for a very long time as an official nonprofit. 
But in 2007, um, I'd mentioned Edwin as the first director, really uh, kind of set um, set it all up at the uh, downtown farm, which is where most people know us. And the idea really was this idea of saying, this was before the big farm to table movement. It was what does urban agriculture mean? What does sustainable agriculture mean to a city? And what does fresh food access mean to a city? And especially in, in downtown Birmingham. And so it started as a three acre farm and um, continued to grow and got into a million different initiatives around childhood obesity, to farm to school, to community gardening, to workshops on I don't know, answering the phones when tomatoes were going bad in people's backyards. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so many things. And I think a lot of that is just because we, it was just beginning to take off. Food deserts was just starting to kind of be a code word. And, um, and so I guess it was, it, that's how it really started. And it was called Jones Valley Urban Farm. And when Edwin left, uh, and that was around, I believe, 2012, 2011, 12, and Grant Brigham came in as the next executive director, gave the organization an opportunity to kind of really think about, okay, where are we making the most impact? Where could we make the most impact? Instead of doing everything kind of a mile wide and an inch deep, how do we just go as deep as possible with uh, with our impact and, um, education just continued to kind of rise to the top of what that could, could look like. And so, um, what if, you know, we were treating all of these kind of symptoms of root causes. So what, what if we could really be with young people and have this, uh, a, a connection to food at an earlier age so that we weren't constantly just treating the symptoms, right? Like we were actually yeah. addressing, root causes of whatever it is, but also like having fun. So like food brings people together. Food is a very important part of community. So what does it mean for kids to be able to dig in the dirt and like be part of social studies, math and science and, and learn about it in a way that really gets, um, gets them outside and gets them engaged in the work in different ways. And so, um, Glen Iris elementary, which is the uh, the first school, Dr. Wilson, still there, principal. You know him very well, yeah. having helped us at a couple of things. Um, but he's the first one that opened the door, and he said, listen, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And so from then on and where we are today is it has grown in the last six years to um, we're able to be in seven partner schools within the Birmingham City School System. So we partner uh, solely with our public school system here in Birmingham um, that's important to us and because we're founded in Birmingham and we've built these vibrant incredible teaching farms behind each of mm -hmm. the schools we partner with and we are a besides the downtown farm that's our seventh farm but it's you know a block away from Phillips Phillips Academy mm -hmm. and we really just employ full-time instructors to report into the school and work directly with teachers throughout the school day to develop curriculum that makes sense for what they are going over that unit, that, that semester, whatever it may be that they're doing math, you know, can easily be making salsa and using fractions and, yeah. you know, world war two can easily be rationing and victory gardens and environmental science to high school. And, you know, I think I would have learned so much more about math if I was graphing salsa and like eating. <laughs> that was yeah. So, I love that. So there's lots of really cool things that we've been able to really drive, drive forward with, with, with help from the school system. Right. So like all of this is collaborative with teachers. Um, and then we run after school programs as well. So we do, um, farm club where, students get to come out and cook with us and also just maintain the space, which 
Um, there is a certain level of socio-emotional growth in everyone who has to grow food, right? Like yeah. for something to grow and to troubleshoot the problems that exist in weather and to be patient and to um, be in 99 degree heat, uh, you know, tending to it is something that I think creates an appreciation beyond just what you're eating, but the process of it really helps, I think, young people to see that process in a very meaningful way and to learn a lot of skills that you can't really like point to on a, on a math test. Yeah. Uh, and that's important to us as well. And so we also do student run farmers markets where kids are like exploring entrepreneurship and setting up their own markets and figure out marketing communications. Um, and then it's evolved even more because now we're in the place where we're at the high school at Woodland High School. Now we have paid internship program where students get course credit and come out and hang out with us and not really hang out. They work a lot um, and yeah. uh, and work with us uh, throughout the week, five days a week and on the markets on Saturday sometimes. And um, our most recent involvement, and this is this whole like go deeper kind of mentality of like, what are we doing? What kind of impact are we having? We have interns that look at us and say, we want to stay with Jones Valley. We want to see if education is something we're interested in or drip irrigation or landscaping or culinary, whatever it is. Like we've got this incredible relationship with young people who now are saying, how can I stay on and mm -hmm. continue to move up? Or how can I stay on to get my feet up underneath me so that I can go this route. And mm -hmm. we're finding that that has been incredible too. So we just launched an apprenticeship program where we have two graduates from high school, from the Woodlawn high school that actually were in our internship program working with us full time now. That's really so cool. There's such a different organization, but that's kind of the elevator version of us. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. We are very layered, um, and are, and are definitely seeing the impact across so many different buckets, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So yeah. yeah, we're not just food, we're education. We are, you know, employ we're looking at employment options. We are, I mean, there's so many pieces to it actually. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that brings up, uh, a good point. And one of the, one of the things that I've always loved so much about Jones Valley, um, you know, my, my, my contact with Jones Valley started with Edwin Marty and trying to get food from the farm into urban standard where I used to work. Yeah. Um, but then that has grown into a, I, I would call it a pretty rich relationship with the organization over the years. I mean, we kind of ebb and flow. There's times when I'm more involved and then less involved, but you know, I served on the junior board and I've done just a, a dump, a bunch of different things with the farm. But one of the reasons I love it so much is that, uh, they use a, you guys use a really, really unique approach. So, and, and correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Um, but you've got a lot of nonprofit organizations that do community work that are really acute. Like they, they meet an acute need in the community. Um, the thing I love about Jones Valley, and this isn't to say anything negative about those organizations is that they, what you guys are doing is using food and farming as a vector to teach a multitude of skills, like you just mentioned, farming, math, you know, STEM stuff, uh, doing entrepreneurship, uh, <clears throat> now doing paid internships and bringing people on board, uh, teaching about education. It seems, uh, to me like a more holistic approach to, uh, 
fostering overall health, not just food health, but mental health, educational health, um, financial health, uh, and seems to be opening a lot of doors for kids that may not have already, or may not have had an opportunity to have those doors opened. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's really unique. At least to me, it's really unique. I haven't spent that much time in the nonprofit world, but, um, you know, what, first off, did I get that right? And then second off, (laughs) what does that like the driver for you guys? Do you guys think about it in the same way? Yes. And I'm so glad you said it that way, Trevor, because it was, that's, that's something that I hope is translated outward from who we are as an organization. I think, you know, we've had to evolve and to be very honest about who the organization is. It started and and continued for quite a long time as a predominantly white organization Um, in the city of Birmingham, which is predominantly black. And I couldn't sit here and pretend like that wasn't the case or to, to really talk about, you have to be honest about those things. And there were probably some, some opportunities missed, not, not probably there were opportunities missed in terms of what that could mean for an organization. So what we are trying to do now is yes, being completely invested in the city of Birmingham is very important to us. And that means the young people in Birmingham really mm-hmm. thinking about uh, what it means to holistically, like you said, support um, young people and where do all those avenues kind of come together and meet. And of course, we don't think that we are the answer to all of those pieces. Um, there's so many needs from so many different parts of our of our city that we wouldn't even begin to to, to say that we have figured out what it means uh, for a food-based organization, nonprofit, um, and that we figured all of it out. What we have really done lately is to just get in a wheelhouse that we know and what we feel like we are working towards. And that's not community necessarily like community garden-based work in neighborhoods, right? It's very specific to partnering with an institution that Mm -hmm. is a school system that gives, um, you know, that just has boundaries. It has, um, you know, a system that we have to operate within. And so it limits our ability to be um, all things to all people, right? So, sure. so what we have to learn how to do is as a nonprofit say, okay, where, what is unique about us? What can we bring to the system? What can we bring to this overarching um, system, like an institutionalized school setting, right? And like say, where is our strength and what can we do to make a difference in a young person's life, right? And yeah. that, I think that's where we are today. And again, it is not at all to assume that, um, that, that we're conquering all of the pieces of what food-based organizations need to do around hunger and poverty and all those pieces. What we're really focusing on is that educational component, holistic component and employment. And the biggest piece of that is investing in young people, right? So we can, we can provide services all day long. You'll hear nonprofits say that all the time. Like that's the code word of saying, you know, we provide services to this group of people. And right now what we're doing is working directly with with young people and what we we want to impact their lives positively but we as an organization have to be impacted positively by the young people that we're working with it's a two-way it's both ways right it's not about mm-hmm. what we're giving it's about what we're receiving at the exact same time so yeah. this apprenticeship program was so important to start because now at the table is sitting students who've been through the program who can help uh 
really help us align better or say, you know, that wasn't as powerful or this is you're missing this piece completely. And and I think that that's a big piece for who we are, too. So um, you can say you deliver services and that's wonderful and services are needed. But as a nonprofit, I want to challenge nonprofits and for profit companies, everyone to invest in young people that live here and graduate in, in our city and move it forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, uh, the way I would think about it is it's not a top down approach. It's a kind of a growth alongside approach, which is, I, I think infinitely more complicated as you've probably experienced, but also in equal measure, uh, as impactful, you know, does that make sense? It totally does. And, you know, we've not done it perfectly. And no, but you're not going to either. No. Yeah. And, it, and there have been very painful, you know, realizations um, throughout the process. What I hope we're doing is listening a little bit more. And I hope that we are giving, you know, and I hope what I am doing is taking what Edwin's vision was, which I respect and admire and looking at what Grant was able to do when he came in and look at the history of people that helped develop the programs that we work on, which are called Good School Food. Everyone from Katie to Sarah to Zoe to I, I can list all of and stuff and like I can't even go there to how many people have had um, their hands in this work and that have been, you know, incredible um, contributors to its growth. And, but where we are today is trying to take all of that and go deeper and ask larger questions of ourselves of what, where we've missed yeah. and where we can be better and where we can grow. And, um, and I'm proud of where we are today and we still have a lot more room to grow. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, as a consultant, when I work with companies, um, and I would, you know, echo that sentiment based on what you just said is it's not about, uh, it's not about getting it right. I mean, you do want to get some things right. Um, but it's, I think one of the most powerful qualities of a business owner or a nonprofit uh, organization, the head of a nonprofit, um, is the ability to be introspective um, and to accept criticism graciously. Uh, you know, most companies that you talk to, or most entrepreneurs that you talk to, um, they get it wrong. It happens. It's just it's a natural part of learning to do the thing that you're trying to do. Um, but the ones that survive and thrive and have either you know make a bunch of money or have a tremendous amount of social impact are the ones that are able to say, eh, you know, that didn't work. And we're going to either go back to the drawing board or we're going to scrap it and we're going to come at it from another direction. Those are the people that have, I think the greatest impact regardless of whether they're in the for or nonprofit world. I agree. And I think, I think, you know, there's been a lot of lessons learned for me, like how I see the food community and the work that I'm doing today has been informed by all of the mistakes that I've made nine years ago when I first started. Right. Like, my view of what the food community was had nothing to, it was just through my own very privileged lens that I was looking at it through. Mm-hmm. And I can go back and think about meetings that I was in and just go, Oh my gosh. And it was before <laughs> I was a parent, you know, like yeah. I was in all of these like policies around early childcare centers and like what children eat. And like, I wouldn't let anyone see what my three-year-old eats right now, you know? So like, (laughs) as you, I mean, I'm, I work at a farm and I like, I'm like begging her to, to, to eat those things. And I think, you know, I I often say this and, you know, it's a little hokey, but you know, space and grace for the, for the piece of yourself that continually has to evolve. And I'm thankful for all the folks who, um, have really kind of not only put me, uh, right in the place that I needed to be at the right time and say, 
back up and uh, <laughs> me and, you know, and it's, it's been a painful journey at times, but it's also um, allowed me to see the world a little differently and I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned, and I have actually had less experience in with the farm or with the organization in this regard, but I think is, especially from my perspective, really, really interesting. Uh, talk a little bit about how the entrepreneurial side of the, um, what Jones Valley is doing right now. How's that going? Um, yeah. I think it's really, yeah. I think it's really unique, um, and incredibly powerful because that, uh, gives, that gives people the ability or at least the understanding of like what goes into, running a business and making money and providing an income, you know, that's a really powerful set of skills to have. And it's not taught, you know, we're taught in schools to go get a job. You know, schools are basically, if you listen to Seth Godin or all these people, they'll say that schools are basically churning out good workers. Right. But then if, if you're not a good worker or you don't want to be a good worker, which was the case for me when I ended up leaving my job to do this, you know, how do you go out and provide for yourself and provide a service that is, or a product that's impactful to people. So how, I think that's really, really cool and really powerful. And I just was interested to hear how that's going and what are the lessons that you guys have learned from that? Yeah, I think, I think we're just scratching the surface to be honest. So the, the way that we've done it very, uh, minimally, I would say, because it's not a perfect model necessarily, but student run farmers markets are one of those those ways. And, and, and what that does is it forces students alongside the instructors at each of the schools to kind of come up with a plan for how they want to run the market. And, you know, it's elementary, middle and high school, right? So you've got, um, you're responsible for putting up the tent and setting out everything to make it look like you were at a farmer's market and to make it look good and to make sure that it, there's some elements of that that you learn that you're like, Oh, that is what draws people to your booth. So how, how do you do that? And I think we have a strong history of that at Pepper Place and, um, you know, we're well known for that. So it's been a great opportunity to kind of teach young people the value of, of that. Um, it also, I think, you know, learning how to manage money and market, market your, you know, when folks aren't stopping at your tent, you're having to kind of think up ways to get people over to your tent. And yeah. So, it really kind of um, challenges students to be like, wait, why are they not stopping? Yeah. Um, and they have to come up with ideas for that. But but what's been cool, too, is that sometimes the markets don't necessarily work. So like at Putnam, which I think is a great example, is at Putnam Middle School, it's more of a transportation, like a bus-driven school. A lot of other schools yeah. are like community-based. So a lot of it is pickup lines and a lot of people walking and things like that. So, But at a school like Putnam – where they have to rely primarily on bus riders, you know, that's kind of how, how kids get to school. Uh, we had to come up with a whole different model. And so previous years of students and the instructor came up with a CSA model. So now you can order your food in advance and pick it up at 12 o'clock on Fridays and take your bag home as opposed to doing an, so, so we're like playing with it, which I think is good for students to kind of see us be open to having mm-hmm. to shift what the demand is. And like, that's the the whole right that's like yeah. the whole 
behind it and be able to do that. What I'm most excited about, um, we just received the healthy food financing grant from the state. Oh, congrats. From Stecca. Thank you. And we're in the process right now of um, building a full-time farm stand that will be attached to our farm center behind Woodlawn High School. And so eighth graders over the summer at Hayes and Putnam came to the farm for a summer camp. And they basically used that time to design what they thought a farm stand could look like and what they thought. So they worked with our friend Will McGarity at Architecture Works and kind mm-hmm. of came up with this like really unique plan. And of course, we had to make some tweaks. We cannot put, you know, a couch and a TV in <laughs> the farm stand. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> some of those things. Um, but we were able to kind of work on a model that works. So now we're actually building that. So the business and finance Academy at Woodlawn high school are going to partner with our interns at the farm to come up with a marketing and communications plan. And we're going to open that up to the public five days a week. And so I'm seeing like all of these different pieces pop up as opportunities. We just have to be ready to take them when they come and to continue to push that entrepreneurship piece. It's not a perfect, like we haven't figured it out completely, um, nor will we ever. Um, but I think that it's a great start for students to kind of see their space in that in time, in terms of thinking through solutions and thinking through visions of what they want it to be. Um, so much of that I think is rooted in entrepreneurial kind of, um, I don't know, ideas. So, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, uh, we are, we've got bigger plans in the future. I can't talk about it. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. Um, um tune for next year's podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so it's, that's interesting. I was just wondering to myself when you mentioned like with Putnam, um, <clears throat> how that model didn't work at first. Um, and you guys had to shift, like how, how involved are the students in that, the actual process of deciding how that shift happens? They, they're very involved. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of what, um, we have to do is there's a balance, right? So there's the instructor, but there's also, they have all of this time, um, every week, with um, students that are really engaged in this work. And that's that's like, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 to 12 kids that come out every week and have a really great relationship with the instructors. That's one of the things that I think we don't talk enough about is the relationship that we have with students and young people at our schools is very intentional as it relates to the instructor that is there full time and there for anything that they need. And so they'll sit down together and, um, They'll sit down together and like talk about what worked at the very end of I've been at Woodlawn High School when Scotty's like, OK, they, they end the entire day with what worked and what didn't. Um, and what what are some straight talk is what they call it. And so we're starting to adopt that across the board is what could I do better tomorrow? What did I do great today? You know, yeah. and so I incorporate all of that. We, of course, have to think about it from an organizational standpoint, like we can't just say young people take the idea and do whatever you want with it. Cause we have to have some consistency across our organization. But at the same time, I, f- I feel like we're utilizing their voices, um, a lot mm-hmm. in, in how we do our work. Yeah. Cause that's such a powerful experience to have 
failed, maybe fail is a strong word, but to have failed and then to have the opportunity to evaluate and change course. That's just such a, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating when an initiative like that doesn't work at first, but that at least in the entrepreneurial world or in the business world, as you, you probably know, like that's such a powerful opportunity. Uh, and for these kids to have the opportunity to participate that participate in that, I think is just, it sounds like it's incredibly valuable. I'm not sure if they'll even realize how valuable it is until they get older. Um, later on they will. And, and that's the cool thing is now that we're in the high school, we have students that are able to kind of connect some of those dots a little bit better because they're older able to kind of like, you know, think about what was the problem troubleshooting the seeds. Cause what, you know, one of my, um, one of the students last year said, you know, everything that we do, we plant from seed almost. I mean, most things we plant from seed and we tend to them in the greenhouse at the Woodlawn high school. And then they go out to all of our different sites, right? So yeah. every single school site has a different crop plan. So they submit their crop plan, they collaborate together and they, and they, and we have this like crazy machine of how to get 35,000 seeds growing and out of the greenhouse at different times throughout the year. I mean, it's incredible operation Mm -hmm. um, that our team kind of works on. And so with that said, I heard one of the high school students, um, Gabby, say to to me um, last at the end of last year, uh, last school year, and she said, you know, to take the seeds and to watch that happen, like we're responsible for taking the seed, making sure it grows in the greenhouse, taking it out to the to the farm, transplanting it, and then making sure it like works yeah. is an responsibility. And it takes patience and care, and it's she com- she compared it to how she sees herself in her own growth, Mm -hmm. meaning like in order for me to grow like the seed does, I have to take great care and have patience with myself. And I mean, like that is pretty deep. Still have not learned that. (laughs) (laughs) We're all working on that. Yeah, that's right, Gabby. Yeah, you get it. Now get out of here. You're making me feel embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Patient, but yeah. yeah. So I think that they're learning that even not only through the entrepreneurship, and I think that's what's made Jones Valley so cool of an organization. And honestly, I can say that because I've worked at many different organizations and say failure is not something that we beat each other up about. What we do is we use it as an opportunity for growth and it just makes whatever we do next stronger. So um, that I'm proud of being in an organization that that values that. Um, And it's and it's been like a really hard thing for me to adjust to. Cause I'm, you know, we all want to su- succeed and we're all like on metrics, you know, but it's been a good learning experience for me as a leader to go, well, that sure didn't work. And yeah. to be about it with your staff and to say it out loud. Um, yeah, it's yep. powerful. It is. It is. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to, one of the questions I wanted to ask you and I've, I've actually, um, uh, I've asked a couple of guests this cause I've had a couple of nonprofits, uh, on, um, you know, so you guys still exist in kind of a, a little bubble, if you will, like you, you with the organization and with the schools and the particular uh, demographics of the schools that you're working with. Um, and I imagine that one of the 
challenges that you guys face is getting uh, folks like myself, you know, if I hadn't been involved in the food and beverage industry to be invested in the mission of the farm. So one of the questions that I've asked is like, how do you guys bridge that gap? I think the gather dinner series is great. I think that that idea is awesome. It's a really great way to get people in the community involved, but you know, how do you guys reach out to uh, members of the of the Birmingham community or even the surrounding villages and get them involved in what you guys are doing? Yeah, it's difficult. I will say that when you go, like, if, you, if you're still a, an inch deep and a mile wide, you can reach more folks easily because it's, a, you know, but, but if we have what's been challenging, I'll just be honest, what's been challenging is that we have... I bet if you asked anyone how many farms we operate within the city of Birmingham, they will say one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you went out and asked anybody about Jones Valley Teaching Farm, they will say they're at Peppa Place and they have this farm downtown that I drive by on Caraway Boulevard. You yep. know, that that is what I think people know. And so when you really get intentional and go way focused, which is what we did with the school system, um, it, it, and you don't even see the farms. They're all behind the schools. So like yeah. it's, <laughs> you can't even see them from the road, really. Um, so it really creates this opportunity for us. And that's why I say an opportunity for us to think bigger about what we need to do to do better to reach more people. Because Pepper Place doesn't just cut it because that only reaches a very targeted demographic. Yeah. Um, the downtown very, very targeted farm, demographic. Very targeted, very yeah. targeted. But seem to be said about city school system as well. So yeah. unless you have students, that's, that's parents and community members that live or attend these specific schools, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we see ourselves as um, a national model, an educational model that works incredibly well? That we're, we're finding out um, new things about this model that could be transformational for our city and for the young people in it. So what does that mean? And I think we're starting to ask ourselves that question, right? So in fact, we are definitely asking ourselves that question. So what we have to do is put a bigger flag in the ground in Birmingham and say, Birmingham is is a city that believes in food-based education, hands-on education. We believe in strong partnerships with the public school system and nonprofits and for-profits and all of that. How does that come together in a way that is truly holistic and leveraging the true talents of young people within the city, right? So those Mm -hmm. are the questions. We're going to have an answer to that very soon in terms of how we can leverage the downtown farm to be a connecting place for all of that to happen. And so we're still in the process of building that out, but I'm excited um, about the possibilities that are ahead of us. And we still just trudge through and, and do as much as we can to get as people engaged as possible. That's just where we are today. But you are right on it when you, you're right on where we are in this next phase of saying we had to, we had to kind of put the blinders up, go down and say, okay, let's focus entirely on this education model. Cause unless it's, unless it works, it's really no reason, right. To like, yeah about it to everybody in the universe right so mm-hmm. we go really um focus in and say okay let's get this model right and let's make sure that it works well and then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward so um we're now at that phase because i believe strongly in what we're doing um 
And I think, I think that the city is going to be excited about what's next. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear what's coming next. I wish you could tell me more about it, but I understand. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, and that actually, you know, that's one of the other things I was going to ask you about. So I'm not sure if there's any of these developments that you can talk about, but I was just wondering what's next, you know, that, you know, Jones Valley has, it's evolved so much since since I've been in Birmingham, I, I moved to Birmingham in January, 2008. So shortly after Jones Valley started, uh, well not started, but after Edwin Marty took the helm and, um, we all became really aware of what Jones Valley was doing. Um, so, but I mean, it's just evolved so, so much since that point. So what is next? And if you need to speak about it in broad generalities, you can, um, but yeah, what, what's coming? Yeah, well, so I think what's next is continuing to, um, really solidify our partnership with Birmingham city schools and to really figure out ways that our organization can reach more students. I mean, that is something that we've always wanted to do. Um, we've got to figure out how we can replicate this, right? So this model works. We have curriculum lined up. So how do we reach other people who are interested? I mean, we have people, um, we've had people from Charlotte city school systems come down just for a day to see what we're doing to take it back up. We just have yeah. no capacity to say, here is the book on how to make good school food work. Um, it's just been one of those things that we've been building as we've, as, as we've grown and we're now to a place we can look back and say, okay, what are those pieces that, Mm -hmm. um, we can connect to other folks so that other communities, other students can have a rich experience in this, in this kind of field. So that's something that we're definitely trying to, to look forward to and, and see what we can do. And I think just leveraging the Southeast. I mean, there are so many farm to school movements all over the country. Um, and that's not necessarily how we would describe ourselves. I think we're kind of a hybrid of many different national, um, kind of movements around food. So how do we really uh, say that Birmingham is leading in that? And, you know, I think so many times Birmingham is, is not necessarily in the leading category, at least, um, from the stereotypes that you hear all the way to our own investment and what, what we do. So, how do we really step out front and say Birmingham is putting this kind of work out that we are intentionally partnering with school systems that, um, that are important. That's important to us. Education is important to us. Um, hands-on education is important to us. Uh, food is important to us and what it can be and do for a community. Um, and young people driving that is important to us. And so, uh, how do we step out front of in front of that and say that Birmingham is doing it and doing it well and being a voice for that? So I think that's what is ahead of us is how do we reach more kids specifically? And we, we've got some plans for that, but also how do we connect what's happening in these seven schools to the rest of this district? And we're talking to the district now about that as well. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I just, again, I want to thank you for being on the podcast because I, I, <clears throat> I have just always had so much respect for Jones Valley. It's one of the only, I mean, this is terrible, but it's one of the only nonprofits in the city that I've ever really connected to on an emotional level. Um, I just love what you guys are doing and I've loved working with you guys and and doing what I can to support you guys. So I appreciate you coming on. I just wanted to wrap up with one question. You know, um, if you could have one wish granted for Jones Valley teaching farm right now, what would it be? 
all that money that came, whatever happened in South Carolina today with the lottery, yeah. all that, that's what I know. I, <laughs> but in all actuality, as an executive director of an organization, you know, uh, if you could have some sort of uh, really substantial uh, gift where you could just put your head down and continue to think through money's not an option all the time where you can just, you know, yeah. move, grow and evolve. Any nonprofit would say that anyone. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say that. But I think uh, it, for a more realistic answer, because I don't know that one point six billion dollars will be coming my way. But, hey, this could be <laughs> it, Trevor. This could be our the, opportunity. This could be it. Person that won the lottery. <laughs> teaching for. No. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the one thing that I really want, I just want people to be uh, connected and proud of what we do and really um, help uh, put Birmingham out in front of some of these issues and say that we're trying to do these things and that and to have other people believe in that and really want to be partners in that. Yeah. Um, and for us not to be the answer to all of it and that we can continue to learn and grow from other folks that are doing more community based work and all of that good stuff. Like I, I, I really would like for us to just be a piece of that, but a powerful piece of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a good answer. And, and so is the billion dollar uh, jackpot. I would, I would wish that for you guys as well. I mean, so. like, and there is no executive director that wouldn't say money, but you know, that's just who that, that's because we can do better and bigger things. You know? say, that's that's, where, that's where what allows you guys to do what you do. Yeah. I well, think. and I want to just thank you for the uh, opportunity. To, I'm honored to be asked to be on your podcast. And yeah, you know that thanks. we have you at Jones Valley. Over the years, you have given tremendous time and effort and uh, expertise and talent to us. And we have been better for it. So thank you for continuing to show up for us. Um, it has meant the world. So thank yeah, you. Of course. Cool. Well, Amanda, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. Mm -hmm. All right.